0: Thank you for tuning in to the Faith Over Everything podcast where we cover, you guessed it, everything. Whether it's pop culture, religion, politics, relationships, fashion and beauty, entertainment, black culture, or me just chopping it up with my girls, we are here to talk about it all. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode available on all your favorite streaming platforms and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed your holiday weekend because this is going to air after the holiday weekend. but I, I have in the, well in the same vein of kind of talking about social activism, I really wanted to have this guest on the show today because she is just doing amazing things in the community. She's a mover and a shaker she is um just inspirational she's a wonderful black woman and she represents she goes hard for us she is an advocate she's an author mom wife boss everything but with that being said i'm gonna have her introduce herself to everyone uh welcome lakeisha to the show
1: thank you faith and your name and the name of this show is really who I am faith over everything God's mm. child. I don't know if this is that platform, but no, go
0: for it. Do you,
1: that's fine. <laughs> God, God's child is my number one, uh, oh. my number one title. Um, and all of the things you said, yes to all of it. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like in my heart, I've always, um, just been in position to see, injustices um even as a child like for some reason that's been what I could see and uh, it's been always on my heart to speak out about it in whatever ways that is and so that's it that's 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 who you have before you uh (laughs) all the things you said author all that stuff but at the end of the day God's child and and uh, um just a warrior for social social justice, for human rights, for us to just be treated as the excellent human beings that we are.
0: Yes. Tell everyone a little bit more about yourself, like where you're from and what mm-hmm. you do and how you kind of got to where you are today.
1: Yeah. So, you know, um, even my book is, is called Move Beyond the Block because, you know, in Chicago, the block you come from, the block you live on is really... <laughs> The yes. definition, right? Yeah. So I grew up, uh I am from Chicago, Southside, uh Low End, which is now Bronzeville, quote Okay. Unquote. Um and oh gosh, how did I get to where I am today? Oh. Um so I'm the parent, I'm the great granddaughter of uh, a Chicagoan who migrated here in the early 1920s from Mississippi, Oklahoma, Mississippi to be exact. And what I didn't know, I, did, I never met my great-grandfather. Um, he was one of the first to come in the first wave of migrants. Um, he, he wasn't a part of the 1950s great migration. But um, when he brought my grandmother here um, and her brothers, I didn't realize that my great-grandfather was a uh, precinct captain at the time. But my Not great Chico- for army for Chicago. So for yeah, oh. so he he was politically involved. He was an organizer. Okay, he was uh, very very key to the slum ordinance and fighting against the slum ordinance back in the nineteen thirties. Wow. Um, he was also the first to be uh, to the first black person to gain a pension um, from the Chicago Board of Education as a carpenter. Wow. Um, Yes, I didn't know that. He also, when he retired, he retired to the Gary, Indiana area, and he was instrumental in getting the first bus stop to stop in the Black community at that time. Wow, so, so it runs in your blood. So I didn't know that because he was the extent of that in, <laughs> until later. Um, and so I would say that that's where it comes from for me. That's where my activism come from, and I never even knew it. Um, but, you know, epigenetics, epigenetics is real mm-hmm. um, and what we have in our DNA is real. Um, and so that was it. I'm also a child, uh, a Baptist, raised as a Christian Baptist, uh, grew out of that. But still, that's how I was. That was my right. formative years. Mm-hmm. Um, a child of the Chicago Public Schools. I attended uh, Anthony Overton, Walter H. Diet Middle School mm-hmm. and graduated from Simeon. Simeon. Well oh, okay. Well. okay, I don't know. You went to Simeon. Yep. And okay. Us, and uh, uh, got my undergrad in SIU Carbondale, so I'm a Saluki. Okay. <laughs> uh, anybody in the Illinois area know that that's the school? No. Okay. <laughs> so Saluki's over everybody. <laughs> no, just plan Just playing. Just plan, Just playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I think that's that. I mean, um, so many other life experiences um that went into that but those are the formative things. I was raised in a household with all of my family. So my my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, uh, you know, uh, growing up where I live, the houses were pretty big uh back then. Mm-hmm. So eight eight bedrooms, thirteen rooms, full house, uh, four bathrooms, like that's the household that I grew up in um early on. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. So I mean, do you live in Inglewood now?
1: Yes, I live in Inglewood. own a home in Inglewood.
0: How did you end up in Inglewood or have you been there since, you know, after college?
1: So, um, I grew up, first of all, let me say, and this is really, this this just goes to show you how things happen. So Inglewood was a place that I never even, never registered for me. Like, um, Bronzeville was Bronzeville. Later on, I lived on the other side of Western, so cl- closer to Marquette Park when okay. I was in high school. Um, when we moved back here, my husband and I we were parents. we had our firstborn. actually, we had both our children um, and we li- we lived in um, what would be called uh, East Chatham, okay. Like near 79th and Cottage Grove, mm-hmm. and we we were in the market to buy our first home, and what we could afford was in Englewood, and so that's how we got to Englewood. Awesome. <laughs> where we okay. could afford to be. And once we got here, um, just seeing the politics and the way things go in this city, uh, knowing that you're you're in community, your neighborhood is what you make it, not where you move into. It's what yeah. you make it, and anywhere you go, you're gonna have to uh, put some skin in the game and. Um, since we were here. Opportunities were here. um, can see where the development is going. Mm-hmm. Um, This is where we have chosen to to stay. That's awesome.
0: Basically. I was born and raised in Inglewood, so it holds a special place in my heart, so that's why I was just curious. Well,
1: what area?
0: Right on 71st and Lafayette.
1: Okay, so close, because we're Morgan. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. area, and I mean, I have the best memories, like for real. I think I was there from, um, until we were like 18, 19, until I was 18, cause wow. I'm the youngest, 18, 19 years old. But my family had a a, a two flat there. That's where we lived. And mm-hmm. so they owned the building. So you mentioned growing up with family. So yeah. my mom was raised in that uh, two flat. My grandparents lived there, aunts, uncles, so yeah. Yeah. yeah well, so we got some history there. So that's what's mm-hmm. up. Tell us a little bit
1: more about your
0: book Move Beyond the Block.
1: So my book, Moving Beyond the Black, I'll just be very honest and say the, what what the intention was when I set out to write a book. The intention was, first of all, I majored in, well, I minored in um, English creative writing in college. Okay. And I had a, a desire to write a book, a novel, fiction. Okay. Um, and... I remember, and I also thought of an autobiography. So I, something stuck with me when I was in college. When I was in college, one of my professors, a white man, mm-hmm. said that nobody wants to read about somebody they don't know. Nobody want, Unless you're a celebrity, don't even think about writing about yourself. Nobody cares. So that stuck with me for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just say that. Um, And so when I set out to write this book, I was really hoping I had been hoping for years to write a book of essays and poetry and fiction. But that is not what happened. And so then it became I would write this book about how I grew up and the fact that I suffered a lot of um, emotional abuse at the hands of relatives um mm-hmm. you know you grow up with a whole family back then any and everybody had the uh jurisdiction to say discipline you mm-hmm. raise you whatever yeah. and so aside from my mother and my grandmother there were some other influences that just were not um conducive to raising a, a girl to be all that she could be mm-hmm. and so I was going to take this book and write all the ways that this <laughs> That I had been wrong, like like this was gonna be my moment to uh for vengeance, right? Yeah. And oh girl, God was working on me because I was stretched so many different ways and and just came to forgiveness. And it was a very uh spiritual time for me. Hmm. Um, it was a time of uh spiritual expansion and transformation, which I'm still going through, but at that time it was like a, a accelerated, intense. Period, and, mm. and that's what came out in the book. So, what the book is turned into um, in the offering is that it is a it's part memoir, it's part um, history, Chicago history, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's the lessons. It's called Move Beyond the Block: The um, Habits and Beliefs That Transcend That. The habits and beliefs that transcend our oh girl why don't I know the title of my book <laughs> <laughs> oh God oh the habits transcending transcending the habits and beliefs that are blocking our shine in life nice y'all forgive me the book was written three years ago <laughs> so forgive me uh, okay <laughs> but um so move beyond the block is uh, eighteen blocks these these uh, these affirmations these declarations and. Uh, and with each declarational affirmation I give, like how I came to accept that that affirmation. Oh, I and, love that for me, and it's also a profile of 18 women who are from Chicago, black women who, just like us, grew up in different neighborhoods around the city, uh, and and had to suffer through the segregation and the classism and all that we have to deal with in poverty and violence and attended the Chicago public schools that we attended, right? But these women from Chicago, born and raised, have done tremendous things and and given a a tremendous sacrifice and and contribution to the world. So you have Lorraine Hansberry and um, uh, Raising in the Sun. You have Mm -hmm. Gwendolyn Brooks, Pulitzer Prize winning born and raised well she was born in Topeka Kansas but she was right. here since she was right. three years old.
0: Right. Um,
1: you have Michelle Obama, you have Shakira. Yes. Khan, you have uh Melody Hopson. I could go on and on and on. Naming That's dope. the women that I profile. And so um Vivian Gordon Harsh who uh is uh uh unsung hero she, wrote, she uh was one of the women who started the first African American collections for books uh, in the library. She's the first uh, uh, black librarian wow. for the city of Chicago. But the Vivian G. Harsh uh, collection on 95th and hosted is named in her honor. Oh nice. And, and it was a it was beautiful for me to find out about her because she uh was a librarian over the branch where I first got my first library car in oh. Bronzeville on 49th and Michigan. So oh, it wow. just it's just so much power power. Mm-hmm. Um, but that book was an offering to 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 tell us, to tell you, me, and any woman from Chicago, any girl from Chicago, and I know your listeners are from all over the world, but um, to to read and reaffirm for us what people the things that people say about us because we are city girls or grew up on the mm-hmm. south side or in the ghetto or however they want
0: right. um, to label us. us. Yeah. Right. And the,
1: the stigma that comes with that, that despite or I shouldn't even say despite, but because of where mm-hmm. we are from, we are made of something uniquely special yes that we ha- we have we are the ones to shift and change the culture we are the ones to shift and change the the world and the, the 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 evidence is in all of those names I named and so many more um that are in my book and so this is our our pride to, this is our pride flag to say that being a black woman a black sister from the south side or the west side of Chicago is a badge of honor yes um, and so that was my offering
0: That's awesome. I can't wait to read that and share it with our girls, right? Because they also need to know, which leads me to this, like, how did you or when did you begin to kind of emerge into like, this huge like women's advocate? I mean, you are uh, an advocate of our people in general, but I feel like your emphasis is totally on women, which that's really where my heart lies. But when did you kind of come into that space in your own life and your journey?
1: You know, I I was looking at Twitter yesterday, and somebody had something about uh, when, what what did you do as a child that kind of would would foreshadow or define who you are today. And Faith, to answer your question, it's almost like I think about when my little sister was born, as far back as I can remember, because I'm a second born. Okay. So I had a big sister, and then I I took my job as a big sister very seriously. Like, okay. I took my job very seriously. There are seven of us total. <sighs> um, I'm the second oldest, wow. and I don't play about my sister. So I think that <laughs> that was the beginning, but I remember an incident um, in... in this for me um, gives tells me that I've always been purposed. Um, I remember my father was dating a woman who didn't, wasn't very fond of um, and it just wasn't a good space for us. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I I don't, I can remember to the day um, something, an incident happened and this woman had did something that was absolutely abhorrent to my sister. Um, and so, and it's kind of funny, but it's not funny because she had actually, I think I want to say, and I didn't ask my sister if I could share this. So, oh God, but I want to say that on this day, she tied my sister to a chair. I want to say that that's what happened. And all I know is I untied my sister and I Got like you remember um on Woody Woodpecker when he would be running away, he'd take that little ba- uh, handkerchief over yep. the stick. Mm-hmm. I got a pillowcase, <laughs> I stuffed we would staying with my father for the summer like we did every summer. Mm-hmm. And my father was at work, um, and so he didn't know what was happening. But I took that pillowcase, I stuffed it with all my sister and my our things, and I was nine years old, and my sister was eight at the time. Mm-hmm. And at nine years old, I left that house and I walked home to my mama's house. So we're talking from 55th and wow. 55th and Damon to 49th and Michigan.
0: Wow.
1: I took my little sister and I went home. And and she didn't and, try to come get you guys. Well, she didn't know where we were. And okay. so the, the call went out to my mother, like where we, I don't know where the, where they the are, where are yeah. they left, um, uh, where they went to. Um, and then, unfortunately, when we got home, my mother wasn't there and my aunt was, so that wasn't,
0: yeah, that okay. wasn't a
1: good thing because um, mm-hmm. of where y'all, how y'all get here, what y'all doing, you too grown, mm-hmm. why'd you, but not hearing me to say, like, I left an abusive situation.
0: Right. And instead
1: of, you know, when my mother found out and she found out why, you know, my mother's like, you did what you are supposed to do. Right. Um, but that wasn't the initial response because my mother wasn't there. So there's a lot of uh there's a lot of shame and a lot of, you know, you did something wrong. Mm. But I knew that I did what I was supposed to do. And that's how I that's how it's been my whole life. Like I know when something is wrong and when I need to point it out that it's wrong, and I also know when I need to do something about it. Mm. Um, especially if that means protecting me and mine or somebody that looks like me. Mm. And so that that's been that's been that You're was called. a jump off, I guess. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> so awesome! Was, wow, yeah, what a I was great nine experience. years old. I remember that day like it, like it was yesterday. Were you and afraid to leave,
0: or you were just like, Mm-mm, "We out of here, we gone." I,
1: only thing I was afraid of was being caught, and that she would stop us from leaving. Like, okay, that was it. I wasn't afraid. I was not afraid to go to walk down the street because this, um, the route we took was the route that we take to get there. Like it was just. Oh, so awful. you just knew.
0: Right. right, straight down Fifty Fifth till
1: we get to till we get to Michigan, and then now, you know, right. so it was like I knew where I was going, and mm-hmm. um, as a matter of fact, um, my uncle played in the softball league mm-hmm. around the city, and it just so happened that that day, and this is something we always did as a family: we go to support him at the best softball game, mm-hmm. and it just so happened that passing Sherman Park, I uh-huh. felt something tell me to go into the park.
0: Wow. I'm not
1: lying. I felt something tell me, but I was like, nope, keep going, go home. Mm. But my mother, that's where they were. They were at a, a softball game. They for were my there. Uncle at Sherman Park. So wow. it's just, yeah, wow. it's crazy. Dude, that is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> good
0: morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. I'm Dana, AKA DanaMike781, across the social medias. And I am here to tell you about my podcast that is currently streaming on your favorite listening platform. It's called, This Should Be in a Book. People often tell me that the things I say should be in a book, but I didn't wanna write a book. So I decided to release my knowledge podcast style. New episodes are available every Monday and you'll be able to listen to my insight on this thing called life, three points into poem style. Minus the poem. (laughs) So after you finish listening to this podcast, head on over to This Should Be in a Book to listen and subscribe. Hope you enjoy. As a fellow Chicagoan, and I'm going to pivot a little bit, you know firsthand, you know, what's been going on in our communities with the violence, with our teens, with our babies. Um, why do you think it's gotten worse? Do you think it's gotten worse? Why do you th- this, is, this is a loaded question. Uh huh. Why do you think it's gotten worse and, and what do you think we can do about it?
1: Yeah, it's a loaded question. And it's a question by the time your listeners hear this, it'll be um, the other side of the weekend, the yeah. Memorial Day weekend, but yeah. we're going into the Memorial Day weekend. So we'll see what those numbers look like. Because uh, that's always our spike. That's always the kickoff to the um, violence in Chicago. We've seen mass mass shootings uh, happen. Um, during during Memorial Day weekend So we'll see what happens But faith for me I, I don't think it's gotten worse at all It has become more um, Decentralized okay. So what, what was contained Before and happened within Housing developments right Or right. in certain pockets mm-hmm. Where it was contained purposely By design it was contained Yes um, We see now that those that is spread out Yeah And um, I don't think it's gotten worse. What I think has happened is that younger people, it, it has started impacting people at younger ages. Okay, uh, where where and also it's extend it's, it's extending right. So when I say extending, meaning that when we got to a place where we like, if you reached twenty five. Right. Typically Mm -hmm. back when we were growing up, then that would be the end. If you chose to no longer engage in gang activity or if you were separated from it, you probably you would not be a victim.
0: Right. um,
1: Or or find yourself in in that. In that way, but now it's it's 30, 40, it's continuing on because the um, the structures that were in place, the barriers that were in no place longer there are no longer there, mm-hmm. and that then in turn goes to so if there's no structure for 30 and 40 year olds, there's surely yeah. no structure for babies, yeah. Um, the the whole unit that we used to have, even we talk about schools, and I don't know about you, but there was a child parent center. Um, mm-hmm. when I was younger. So mm-hmm. that meant like parents who maybe weren't working or parents who wanted to be involved could come up to the kids' school and and, and have those different things that they could actually be involved in the kids' school. Mm-hmm. Organizations uh, had a community element to it. Yeah. So everybody was involved. And by design, I truly believe, Me you know, too. the things that are the political ambitions, the political, uh, the the agenda for this city mm-hmm. to be a quote unquote world class city, which means, which translates to no poor people and definitely mm-hmm. no poor black people. Yeah, right. And so um, those things that that break those ties. Fuel crime and violence is socially engineered, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you have the crime and violence, you can drive people out. If I'm afraid to stay in my neighborhood because the news is constantly telling me how violent it is, Mm -hmm. how afraid I should be to come out my house, like these different things are happening, um, then I move. I move my family away I move everybody away that's that leaves space uh also if if my if my father my uncle my grandfather all the men in my family are ushered into jails Mm -hmm. because of um because they've had to have some other kind of economy and this is deemed illegal right right and they're and then they're put into jails well then that's a whole breakdown now At a younger age, I got to go hustle for money. At a younger age, I got to protect myself. At a younger age, I have to do all, I have to take on all these different responsibilities. Right. Fast forward, that illegal activity, that illegal economy that my father, my grandfather, my uncles, and even my mama or sisters and aunties Mm -hmm. have been locked up for is now legal. Right. Millions of dollars are passing through and I see it. I'm not Mm -hmm. getting it, but I see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Come on. It, it, it it So that's what I believe. I believe it's socially engineered. I believe that just like COVID, um, and the intense um, the intense solutions that have been rallied for COVID relief mm-hmm. can, be, can also be rallied for any type of solution they want to have. So if it's a solution to, it showed us that, solution, didn't it? It showed us. It mm-hmm. showed us whatever they wanted to be. They um, could do faith, it. because faith. March, I want to say March 6th of 2019, March 6th, March 5th, one of those days, University of Chicago um, hosted a symposium along with some of their community partners, um, Southland RISE program and a bunch of other people, myself and other people who were in violence prevention and um, public health. There Mm -hmm. was this big symposium in March of 2019. To Mm -hmm. say that violence was the most, was an epidemic in the city and it needed urgent. It was an alarming rate. It needed the five alarm uh, response. And they had posed and were in position for all levels. I mean, all levels of government, agencies from everywhere. Money was flowing. Like it was all this urgency on this violence that Mm -hmm. we needed to have. In March of 2019,
2: Hmm.
1: March 16th, we go into COVID lockdown shelter in place, and we don't hear anymore about this symposium, what was came out of that symposium. We don't hear anymore about all the solutions, the resources. We don't hear anything about that. Wow. Magically, though, okay. right? In my space as a girls advocate and a nonprofit owner, mm-hmm. I'm privy to conversations where I find out that. Uh, sports organizations in Chicago got together within a month
2: Hmm.
1: to get $30 million. This is just a loan. $30 million to give to girls serving and youth serving organizations. However, the ones that were awarded were not the ones who were in this room two weeks ago. Wow! They are not the ones who had anything to do with that violence prevention and 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 they were the ones who could not reach the young people because their only connection to those young people were through schools and you know school had closed right. so they could not reach them right. and also because um and I'm sorry to your listeners if you hear any pitter pattering <laughs> that is my dog in the background. There. <laughs> I'm so sorry that's okay <laughs>
0: That's okay. And she loved the dogs. That's okay.
1: Um, And so none of those people were in the room. And they actually... they 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 are people that couldn't. They're organizations that are uh, really administrative heavy, right? They got these salaries for mm. you know these six figure salaries and such, but they can't even reach the young the the young people that they're supposed to be reaching because of COVID. But here they are getting this money, so that was a red flag, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then soon after that, you know, it just. Escalated things just mm-hmm. it became this rolling ball where we had Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, right. George Floyd, and the police response. Um, so do you that think just, that's
0: being done on purpose?
1: Which what part?
0: The police killings. <laughs> like, do um, you think they're trying to like ramp that up?
1: I think it's always been ramped up. I think that Me it too. is I think I think um and this is This is my real belief, and so this is not reflective of faith or faith over (laughs) over everything. This is Lakeisha Gray Sewell speaking. I believe that the Ku Klux Klan and um, the White Knights and that response to... into uh, freedom, slave uh, slave ending, mm-hmm. abolishment of slavery, mm-hmm. the same way that they went into uh, white knights and creating these terroristic cells. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the same thing that's happened to the police. So with the onslaught of um, what they believe to be, you know, the, the gains that we made under Clinton, even though we didn't make the gains they claim we made under Clinton, mm-hmm. so we know the how many people went to jail under Clinton yeah. is more than at any time, right? Yep. But because they saw that the quote unquote, what they believe liberal thing happening, they sent their members into law enforcement and into judiciary uh, spaces, and so I believe that it's just the same. Instead of lynching in trees and um, burning mm-hmm. crosses, the murders and the deaths of our people and the lynching of our people is just the same thing, just given the state license to do it.
0: Yeah, and you know, but when you think about just history, they. The KKK, they were law enforcement back in the day, though.
1: They were, though, under those sheets. Every yeah. time when those sheets came off, they were the sheriffs. They were that the deputies. Is. Or they were deputized mm-hmm. by the sheriff and the deputies. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't know why it's such a stretch for America to see that. And for, um, you know, I don't know why it's such a, uh, I don't this is not who we are. Like, yes, it is. It's yes, who it is. we've
0: always been, quite it honestly. Is. Yes. Yeah. OK, I just that was a quick little pivot because
1: um, <laughs> I know, I know how lot. you
0: get down and I and I'm yeah. there with you. So that's why I just yeah. wanted to. Yeah, I'm like. So, OK. So in terms of back to Chicago. So, again, um, and I, I am in agreement with you. I I do believe that there is some bigger works at play in how things are playing out in our communities. Um with our, with our people. So, um, but, but what do you feel we can do, right? Because a lot of us feel really hopeless. Um, what do you feel we can do about it? And, and
1: can we do anything about it? It's so, it's so um, layered and it's so ensconed in, in the city that unfortunately, the the solution that we want to see that it all ends tomorrow is not going to happen. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen in the next five years. It's not going to happen in the next 10 years. But I do believe we can start the tide, turning the tide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's been happening. I think the tide slowly began to turn last year. And it's going to take us to, one, know our history, know who we are, understand what's at play, like understand mm-hmm. all of the, the layers that's at play. Um, Account and be accountable for our dis our own dysfunction, mm. right? Yeah, we got a lot of dysfunction. Own it. You know, yeah, we gotta, we gotta own, own it. it. Yeah. We gotta we gotta say that it's not okay that uh young people don't have any direction. Yeah, that you can't blame that on nobody else. That that's coming from that's us. you. That's us. Mm-hmm. That's mama, daddy, grandma, that's us, mm-hmm. neighbor, that part, right? Just being holding ourselves accountable. And I also think that um we have, we have pretty much just released all forms of responsibility to outside forces and outside institutions. Mm-hmm. So educationally, like the education of our children, we have sent our children into, school, into a school system that is not there to educate them. It is there to feed a capitalistic system, right? Yeah. It's there to turn them into uh, either workers or commodity, so yeah. commodity meaning that these are the consumers or they selling our kids. They're selling our kids to prisons, right? Yeah. So we're sending our kids to prison. You're either going to go to prison. You're either going to work for this corporation. And I don't care if you want to call it technology or whatever. It's not for our children to be the owners of the producers. It's for them to be the workers, the yep. laborers, right? Yep. Um, even when we start talking about technology, all we try to do is teach them coding so they can go and code for somebody else, Yep. but not, not how they can create, not how they can think, not how they can be engineers and build things. Right. Yes. Um, um, and so those, that's the two things, know your history, um, have accountability, believe in our power. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes when you know your history, you can then feel like, Oh, Mm-hmm. Oh, they did this already. Septima Clark, Septima Clark started a school. We we don't have to send our kids into these school buildings, right? right. Oh, Fannie Lou Hamer fought for us to be able to organize and and have these things. We don't got to do it like that, right? We we can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think faith. The last part is to um, divest.
2: Mm. And I know
1: people be like, "Oh Lord Jesus, what you talking about?" But I, I, I can tell you, um, I probably spend sixty percent of my dollars with black businesses. For on sure, purpose, for sure. On purpose, I go out of my way.
0: Mm. Now, do I
1: do I spend money on Amazon or do I go on the Target? Absolutely. I mean, we don't own that much right. of the American economy where we can do without it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I can consciously make the choice to i choose to spend my money with black businesses For we sure. we saw that when it was no no hope coming we saw that when nobody coming to 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 uh, to uh help us mm-hmm. or save us we saw the mutual aid we saw us giving our food we saw us donating and giving and you know black philanthropy has always been a driving force, whether we're tithing at our churches, that's true, you're right. Giving, we have always been the always. biggest ones to support ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: if we believe that and if we just value who we are and value what we have to know that white man's ice ain't no colder than than ice you're gonna get on 63rd. Like that's right. So um and, and these are not far-fetched like pie-in-the-sky dreams. These are very real things we can do today. So people say, well, how are you going to divest? Well, again, the choice is just simply this. The choice is if you're hungry and you want food, whether it's groceries or fast food, the choice is to go shop black. Yeah. Uh, when you when you want to buy a shirt or whatever, the choice is buy a shirt from you're black from somebody black that's selling it, making it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when you want to go get your nails done, go to a black nail salon. I don't I know it's gonna be more money. You know why? Because it's real labor, because because it's quality. quality. Exactly. It's quality. They're not exploiting their labors. They're mm-hmm. not labor- those women are working, those Asian women are working, they're being exploited. They are. They're being exploited. They're sex, they're being sexually uh, traffic mm-hmm. as well as human traffic. So you getting a cheap price because they not paying them nothing.
0: That's right. Um
1: you good you getting a cheap price because they not changing out the uh the the um the equipment the clean so yeah mm-hmm. nails done with dirty yep. fungi, you know, you got all kind of fungus Files, and stuff. It ain't everything. it ain't clean, you know it ain't yep. sanitized. So yeah. <laughs> um divestment meaning You can teach your children. I know you got to work every day. I know you can't be the teacher, but there is a school. There's a thing called Freedom School that happened many, 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 many years ago. Yeah. Churches are there. Basements in a church is there. You can pull together. You know how many black teachers we have, educators we have? A
0: ton, have? yes. A
1: ton. Mm-hmm. So there can always be these spaces where even if you send your child in this everyday school, then freedom school on Saturday, freedom school in the summer months where they're learning their history, where they're learning who I they are. I
0: love that.
1: Where they're learning a trade, where they're learning how to clean their homes, take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's easy. We can do it. We can do it. It You know, 2020
0: really showed me that more than ever because I don't know if you recall, but when COVID really kind of touched down in the U.S., and I don't know if you recall all of the violence in in Asia towards Mm African-Americans, I was like, I was done. I was Mm -hmm. disgusted. And they were doing that even here. They were doing Mm -hmm. that in some of the nail shops. I said, I won't be back to a nail shop because of convenience. I will set an appointment. Mm-hmm. I don't care how long I got to wait. I'm going to a black girl. I really, truly live that out now. And like you said, yeah, sometimes we're going to have to go to Target for certain things or Sam's Club or something like that. But if I can get it from somebody that looks like me, I'm going to get it from somebody that looks like me. Like we we have to reallocate those funds and support our
1: businesses and yeah, support and- us. And, and like you said, it wasn't just in 2020, it was before. How many, the mm-hmm. summer of 2019, right? That was the summer when we had uh, uh, people being beaten with booze yep. in Asian yep. salons. We had um, here it's in a Chicago. Concepting. Yeah, here in Chicago, in Chinatown, there was a murder um in um in Chinatown and I guess the suspects were black or whatever so they were on they were pretty much saying no black people could come into Chinatown this isn't a secret this is real right and so they discriminated but then when COVID happened and they started being discriminated against people mm-hmm. were saying this is a China disease and, yeah, Asian yeah. and all this other stuff then it was a different different story mm, right but yeah but no we 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 absolutely have been um always consuming from other people consumers yeah and never reciprocated never mm-hmm, have it mm-hmm. reciprocated yeah you know, the other thing is um this is what i always say to be as black as you can Unapologetically. Yeah. That's how we, that's how we gonna do this thing. Because yeah. let me tell you, the thing about when you go to, like, if, if you're not in Chicago and you're listening, and for those who are in Chicago, Chicago is very segregated. So mm-hmm. there are neighborhoods that are on lock. for if you're, if you're Latin Hispanic, or I should say, if you're Mexican, there's a neighborhood. If you're Puerto Rican, yep. there's a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. If you are Asian, there's a neighborhood. If you're Haitian, uh, if you're Liberian, everybody has their own neighborhoods, right? And the reason that in in Hispanic and Latino neighborhoods and Chinese neighborhoods is because as you ride down the street, you'll see their um, signs to their businesses are mm-hmm. what in their language. Yep, they are. See, they that, that if you take if you strip somebody, the first thing you do is strip a language from people. That mm-hmm. that tears apart their whole unified way of community Yes, yes. So so if you in Chi- if you in the if you're in the Asian um, nail shop. You hear them talking, you don't know what they're saying. Yeah. They have their own language. They're able to, to abscone themselves. They're able to preserve that. Same thing with Latinos and Hispanic. If you don't know Spanish, then they can lock you out of their conversation. And you then, too, can't infiltrate their conversation. Exactly. Right? But everybody studies us. They have taken our language. They make us feel like if we use our language, right? If you use Ebonics, if you use AAVE, then you looked at to be <laughs> ignorant stupid right. uneducated <laughs> and even black folks feel that way yeah so we need to reclaim that true speak our language and when we speak our language they don't know what the hell we're saying right my french <laughs> but, but when we when we really start talking uh our language and i'm not even talking about talking swahili or or any african tree or anything like that mm-hmm. i'm just talking just in general just Ibanis, american black what's right? up right right if we stop giving it away, giving the game away, selling the game to them, they won't mm-hmm. know what we're talking about. either. we can preserve our culture. Stop yeah. letting them tell us what we should value and devalue. Stop telling them, telling us what we should hold dear and, and what has any um, <laughs> currency for us. Yeah, because our culture is our currency. Our language is our currency.
0: Mm. Yes, sure is. Come on, sis, preach. Um. <laughs> I know I want to go back and this is not on the list, but you mentioned it. So I want to ask you a question about it. You mentioned how you grew up in a Baptist Christian setting, but that was then. Have you kind of changed your views on uh, Christianity and religion and, and how you've grown up? If so, in what way? Because a lot of people have so that's kind of a common thing so that's why i wanted to ask you about it yeah
1: so the very first thing is when i had my children and first of all when i stopped when i went away to college i wasn't going to church every sunday i had stopped like being um involved, in church like mm-hmm. that involved. um but I, I grew up in a very historic church pilgrim baptist church um Uh, in Bronzeville and so Indiana right Mm -hmm. and so that church was a very respectable church right Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the politicians the upper crust before there was a such thing as um what they call them now mega churches right was one of the first so church was very uh holy Mm -hmm. very like pomp and circumstance like we like that's that's that kind of church setting that i grew up in obviously with thomas a dorsey coming out of us we also went home of gospel music yeah but it was a very refined okay uh right i get it um and also god was revered to be up here and especially if you were um like I just as me, I can't even say that it's a part of church. this is my interpretation. this is how I received it. If mm-hmm. you weren't affluent, if you weren't you know a part of the upper crust, if you weren't you know the deacons and the trustees were mm-hmm. all affluent, right mm-hmm. the people who had
0: uh a little money
1: notoriety in mm-hmm. the church were those who were well off right and so for me i I thought those were the people closest to God, those were the holiest people, right, okay. And also, you're praying to God out here, up there, somewhere, all over the place. But whoever he is, you gotta you gotta find and look to him, call him, beg him to come see you, beg him to come see about you because he's forgotten about you. Mm-hmm. And um, that just that stopped resonating with me. I don't I didn't know what to call it, but that didn't resonate with me. And so for a minute, I was like, forget church, forget mm-hmm, God, like. Yeah. Like, God is not with me, right? I didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I started going to Trinity United Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the very first time, like, in all my years of going to church, I never felt the presence of God until I went to that church. And this time I'm, what, 26? Hmm. And I feel God in the building. Like I feel a spirit, I should
0: yeah. say. Yeah.
1: Um, and obviously uh Pastor Wright at the time is preaching black liberation. And yes. And yes. Preaching freedom and mm-hmm. it ain't no Melly mouth begging. It is it, is 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 right up my alley. Right. Exactly. So right. I, so it's I'm speaking right it, to you. Right. I'm rocking with it. <laughs> uh, but then I wasn't a member. I was uh I was visiting and I was involved, right? I was uh at the time, Jerry, right, I was writing for the Trumpet magazine there. And Jerry's a my big sister and a good friend. So I was going there like as a visitor, mm-hmm. thinking about joining, but not really. And then um, the whole fiasco happened behind the presidential election. And yeah. I felt like that church didn't need anybody there who wasn't a member. Like you just didn't need to be a part mm-hmm. of that. You need, they needed their space.
0: And a, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I, that's
1: mm-hmm. how I felt. And okay. so I I stopped going to church, and um, I I eventually went back and joined and and joined that church under uh, our current pastor uh, Otis Mossop mm-hmm. III. However, even even in me going there, I stumbled upon. Well, I shouldn't say I stumbled upon, but divinely it was. Uh, I was connected to um, some women who are new thought, universal thought. Yeah. Um, and that faith has just completely altered. I still am a member of trinity. I okay. still rock with with liberation theology, but what I've come to understand is that there's no god outside of who I am. That I am mm. God. All power that god has is within me. That I don't have to beg or borrow or pray like beg. When I pray, my prayers are petitions. My prayers are declarations cuz god has already said it. I don't have to it's already been written what it is and what I speak will be, right? This is mm. what I truly believe. Mm -hmm. Um, what comes out of my mouth is what manifests because God is 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 in me right right right. Um, and recognizing that so that's my theology has changed in that that regard that um I don't and I try not to ascribe to uh Christianity or anything um even though I'm a member of of Trinity my belief is that God is is everybody's God right Mm. uh Jehovah Allah um, there's lessons to be learned everywhere. Islam, there's lessons to be learned in, um, Judaism. There's lessons to be learned. African in
0: spirituality. African what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: I got you. Okay,
0: sis. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. I, that's going to be a different show. Um, yeah. but that, that's gonna be a different show because it's I just feel be like a we could show. yeah yeah for real because a lot can be said really and truly about that and how people have changed their way of thinking and receiving Christianity in the Bible and interpreting that as an as a black person it's just a lot around that and so. I say
1: this because I know you're gonna move on but I when I went to Ghana in 2020 early 2020 one thing that 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 disappointed me greatly was when I got off, so we, we got there New Year's Eve, um, December 31st. And when I got off the plane and I get into the airport in Ghana, mm-hmm. I see white Jesus, no white, white Santa. And um, I think that was a Tuesday or Wednesday, but by Sunday, um, everybody was praying to white Jesus. Mm-hmm.
0: There
1: was no black Jesus. It was completely westernized. Yeah, that's, that's what I've sank, heard about that Ghana. That sank my heart. That yeah. sank my heart. Um, so so it's it's funny how Christianity has has made its rounds, even though I know um prior to uh America that Christianity has been around for years, but I'm saying the westernized way. Yeah. Uh, the colonized religion, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Not the spirituality or the connection, but the religion of
0: it. Right. The
1: the rituals and the, the, the things that they uphold, uphold yeah. was disappointed to me.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. I've heard that. I cannot wait to go um to Africa, but I have heard that a lot about Ghana. Yeah. It is very Westernized. It's very much like, oh, okay. What's happening here? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. Hey guys, I'm Shari, and I'm Sharice, and we are the Optimistic Divorcees, two happily divorced women who are optimistic about life, but real about love. Catch our new podcast on your favorite podcast platform with new episodes dropping every Monday where we talk about life, love, and everything in between. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the opt That's T H E O P T D I V O R C E E S. Bye. So, what are you working on currently? You mentioned having a nonprofit. I know you do that. What's your girls? Come on, just tell us what's the nonprofit. So,
1: because you I'm do it on so much. Okay, it's I'm being shifted. Um, so my nonprofit is Girls Like Me Project. Yes. And we work with girls around media literacy and pushing back against those stereo and stero- stereotypes, the stigmas and stereotypes that are coming at them in media messages. Mm. But not only that are coming at them, but that's um, framing public policy. Right. So we talk about the adultification of girls and the erasure of Black girlhood. Um, the report that came out of Georgetown Law and Poverty Center, which said that pretty much Black girls from the age of five and up are seen as more violent, more aggressive, more sexualized. They need less protection. Mm. Um, they are, they have they are punished more than any than any other uh, other mm-hmm. counterparts. Yeah, right? and so we know that. Media plays a huge role in that, because if if I am an administrator or educator and what I'm seeing about black girls is that they're violent, that they are sassy, that they are. So my policies when I get to my schoolwork, my policies, my outlook is going to go by what I see in the media, even though this black girl is sitting before me, I'm going to be looking at. What I see in the media, that's thats informed me. So mm. we work with Black girls to one, to understand that you are not who the media tells you. Yes. And you also can use the media because the media does shape that. You must use the media to be your advocacy tool. You must use the media to tell who you truly are. You must use the media to advocate for yourself and to change policy And know why a message is being sent to you, who's creating it, why it's being targeted to you. And I don't care who it is. Um, Why is that message being sent to you? Why are people able to rap and call you bitches, hoes and sluts and and all the stuff they're going to do and have you kissing on your friend and all this other stuff? Why is that a message geared towards you? But it is not on the Disney channel.
0: Look, it's no. not
1: in. It's not being played over and over and over again on on these other stations where you're not the target audience. We are
0: so, always the target. Always. So
1: ask yourself why, where you're targeted on W on the stations that is targeted to you. Yeah. Why is that? So who yeah. who profits from that? Right. Who who what what do they intend for you to do with that message? So, those are the lessons we're trying to get them to understand, and then give them the tools and the power to create their own stories and to be creatives, to be the next Ava DuVernay, to be the next Oprah Winfrey, to be the next Issa Rae. Issa uh, Ray, Issa, yeah. Um, to to take in um, Marci Martin, the little girl that's producing, and like giving them the tools Love to, her. to do their own creative thing with mm. media, photography, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So that's that work. Um, and then my other work with women, black women, is to um, the same thing. You know, many of us are entrepreneurs or we have these different things. I don't care if you're cooking or you're baking or you're a gardener. There's a reason you're doing what you're doing. Yep. And your voice, uh, your story, the reason that you bake. If you're baking because this was something that you did in the kitchen with your grandma and um it was the thing that kept your, your family together when when the world was falling apart, that kitchen was the space. If that's what drives you, the world should hear that story, right? right. They, should, they should know that. If you have books that you've written and they're in your garage and, and nobody can find you on Google, nobody knows who you are, use digital media to yeah. put yourself out there. So that's the yeah. work I do, bringing women, brilliant women out of the shadows into their shine uh, using digital media. And I love coach. that. I coach with that. I'm a consultant with that. Um, Okay. So that's the work I'm doing.
0: Are you, do you do that? You do that full time, like all of your. Yeah. Your your coaching, your okay, that's awesome. Okay. Do you have a
1: staff, a team of people that you work with? No, I do not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to front. I want people to hear this. Stop fronting, talking about my team, stop fronting, talking about, you know, everybody. We need some help. We could be so much better if we admit that. So I would say that for girls like me, I have a board, a strong board. Nice. And we do have um, contracted workers that we do that are considered our team, but they're not. We don't have a staff, We're right? Day to day staff. I if got we you. Had that, we would be so much more impactful if we yeah. had that uh, yeah. ability to do that. As for my uh, my um, consulting and coaching, it's not reached that level yet. So I am by myself. However, I'm in a um, Inglewood small business pitch small business plan pitch competition. Nice. So okay. getting the training and getting ready to pitch and, and win. Yes. And uh, win. <laughs> yes. Um, but I know that the scale up is, is real and, 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 uh, on its way. So I am looking to like get some sign- subcontractors. I do, That's have awesome. co- I do have a coach. Okay. Um, so I work with a coach. I do work with other people to help like, um, uh, strategize where yeah. I'm going to be and what I want to do. And then just a, a, a slew of people who are uh, supporters and volunteers. Uh, and that's been so important. That's been the lifeline for us. Awesome. Tell everybody about your podcast. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so many, many moons ago, uh, I started podcasting and I stopped faith because like, I didn't know who was listening. And I mm-hmm. felt like, are people really paying attention? Yeah. And I stopped doing it. But with this book, it's just been eating to know that there are so many more women, like the women I was telling you before, like yourself. There are women who, who people need to know. Yeah. And the uh, things that they've overcome and the blocks that they've overcome. Because the blocks, even though I said it was geographical, the blocks are, are self-doubt. The blocks are um, imposter syndrome. The blocks are... Mm-hmm. Uh, ignorance the blocks are poverty mindset there's so many different blocks and so many of us have overcome those things to just be to just be dope right yeah to be yeah. dope we're doing a lot of stuff and we've mm-hmm. had to overcome some things so I believe that um sharing those stories liberates other people so I started a podcast with the same name as my book move beyond the block um, where I, I have highlight women who have overcome blocks to do some amazing things. Um, the podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, iTunes, iHeart, Pandora, Spreaker, and uh, Buzzsprout.
0: Awesome. That is really, really awesome. I know and we know that the city's opening up a little bit more. Are you planning any activities or anything this summer that we can be on the
1: lookout for to support? Absolutely. So girls like me, as always, we host our summer camp for girls, uh, um, teaching them all about digital media and, and and exploring this city outside of the confines of poverty and segregation. Um, but we also do these Sankofa nights and, we were, and inviting the whole city out for these nights. These are nights where we bring in intergenerational, that old black club field, the old nice. black party field, where we yeah. bring in the elders and the elders got the African drums and they got the real raw food. We eating good food together. They learning how to <laughs> eat from the land. We got I love it garden that they're going to be growing and starting at 50th and hermitage and so that garden will be where we will present the food so people will be eating foods from that garden at these things we have a live dj the girls plan all of this they from the t-shirts design all the way down to music that's playing they they do it all jump rope uh hula hoop uh Older, you know, old, uh, older women and younger girls. I, I love that
0: because I love to jump rope.
1: Yes, so <laughs> we got that we got. Uh, hopscotch, we got. Uh, the brothers are out. Acclivus, uh, Incorporated is one of our partners. Um, Diverse City is one of our partners. They provide us with security and just the brothers being on site. Um, uh, I love to do it. some. Some piggy, piggy one, piggy two, uh, uh, softball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a good feel. Free food, we give away groceries, we give away PPE um, to the um, community. It's a good time. Three times out of the year, um, we'll also be expanding it because of um, because we see the need for COVID. But that's a part of uh, we were we we got funding for the Safe and Peaceful Communities Grant. Um, and so we'll be we'll be able to do that yet again this summer
0: that's awesome well keep me posted because I want to make sure to support however I can and I want to share it you know with my followers and with my listeners too so definitely keep me posted and then what is the best way for people to contact you if they want to support you if they need your consultancy coaching whatever how can they reach you
1: Yes, yeah, so they can find us at girlslikemeproject.org. The age range is from 12 to 17. However, we do, um, we are part of One Summer Chicago. We try to get girls hired um, because the thing is, Faith, after 14, you already know girls want to be paid
0: yeah that's true they love
1: our camp. they love our organization, but they want to be paid mm-hmm. so we if they when they hit fourteen, we're able to hire them. Um, hopefully we can hire more girls this summer with funding um and so yeah, twelve years old is where we start,
0: okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Lakeisha. Like I said, I mean, it's been just a blessing and an honor to to know you and to see you move. Right. I mean, we don't talk often, but I see you. I'm following I you. I see
1: you too. I'm following you too. Like <laughs> it's, it's a mutual, it's a mutual respect and admiration. Thank you. I, I just, I, 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 even before you, because you didn't have um your baby girl. Right. When we met. That's
0: true. Right. That's true. You uh, not right. even true.
1: a mommy at the time, so yeah. just watch your um, watch your whole uh, evolution as a mother. And your evolution, even in this podcast space, um, and to see how you do your work with HR and technology and recruitment—like I, you. I completely follow you. You know, we met um, <laughs> through your mom, yes. Priscilla. But through your mom, I met your yep. mom for, before you, yep. and I, I just, I just have a great uh, uh, appreciation and love for your family story uh, Thank and you. for how you're moving. And I'm I'm honored to be your guest today, and I hope you return the favor and come on move the block because um, it's so much to that I want people to know about you too.
0: No, thank you, and of course, just let me know, sis. I'm there, and and I'm glad we got a chance to sit down and chop okay. it up.
1: Finally, and I know, I
0: know. I know. And I'm just glad we did because now I know more and now I can do more. So I'm excited about that. So thank you once again. And uh, just want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Support this young black queen however you absolutely can. Um, support her organizations however you can and continue to share. Um, and thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show today, guys. Truly appreciate you tuning in. Please don't forget to follow us on the following social media platforms. On Instagram, the page is Everything underscore podcast. On Facebook, the page is Everything podcast. Our website is www.faithovereverything.net. And lastly, if you are interested in becoming a guest or have any show topic ideas, email us at faithovereverythingpodcast, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks again.